Hey, Michelle. I'm going to hand these to you in a minute, but Johnny forgot his prayer cloth. So what we're going to do is when we have our moment of silent prayer, let's, let's all pray for ourselves and our minds and for preparing for the Word of God. But also say a word for the prisoners and for the prayer cloths, and we'll pray as a community over these, and then we will, uh, I'll close this out and we'll get started, all right? Let's pray. Father, we take a moment to humble ourselves in your presence and we, we're just so astonished, Father, that we serve a God who wants to be in our presence, that wants to have fellowship with individuals like myself. Uh, it amazes me. Father, thank you. And we, we pray to you at this time for this prayer cloth as well, that it will change lives when it goes in there, that it will mean something to those men. Pray that you'll bless the hands that prepared it as well and give many blessings in return to that precious individual. And Father, now as we prepare to break open your holy and divine word, pray, Father, that the things that are said are are meditated upon in our heart. May our mind and our heart be open and receptive to the love that you show us in your word and, and what you want us to do and be so that we can withstand the storms of life that happen As I was going through the audience, several more people are going through storms. Uh, It seems to be everywhere, and the more you try to serve you, the stronger the attacks come, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So, Father, we declare today that we would love for your Holy Spirit to be moving within here, that he would join us in this worship, and that the Spirit within us and And our Savior Jesus, who resides in us, would be here with us together along with your word, which is the dynamite, the power of God unto salvation. And we pray that these factors of yours, these supernatural powers, would expel all the powers of evil that are trying to attack. And we pray that we will weather the storms and come out on the other side blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I heard a story about some conversation that may or may not have took place, probably not, uh, between Adam and God as they walked in the garden. And you know, Adam was talking about Eve. He had just got her. And he said, Lord, oh, it was a good way. I heard, <laughs> he, he said, Lord, you made her so beautiful. Man, and you made her for me. Thank you. And he said, I, I did that for you, Adam, because I wanted you to be able to love her. And as they walked and talked some more, another thought crossed into Adam's mind. And he said, Lord, about that woman you gave me, you also, you also made her so happy, so joyful, just a pleasure to be around. Thank you, Father, for doing that. <laughs> and the Lord said, well, I did that, Adam, so that that you would be able to love her deeply. So, a minute later, as they was walking in the garden, Adam said, 
Lord, one last thing about that woman that you gave me. You made her so beautiful. You made her so happy and joyful. But Lord, she's not the sharpest crayon in the box. (laughs) You know, she's a little bit on the dingy side. And the Lord looked at Adam and he said, That one's easy, Adam. He said, I did that so that she would be able to love you. (laughs) So I guess today's ladies' day, all right? (laughs) Well, anyway, I got to thinking this week about the news. I saw that another tropical storm was forming and going into a hurricane, and her name was Ophelia. And that got me to thinking about all of these storms that just keeps coming and hammering everywhere. And I was just... Something from the Spirit just moved me to put together about these. We kept hearing about the direct hit that Texas took and the direct hit that Florida was taking, the direct hit that Puerto Rico and some of these places took. And it's just like, man, storm after storm, problem after problem. And so I was moved to talk this week about surviving the eye of the storm. You know... Ophelia's in the Atlantic. It's not going to hit here the way they say. It's going to move on towards the European side. But I got to thinking that the rate we're going, we might make it to T. Because uh, they go by the alphabet letters and they name them. And T is going to be Tammy. And I got to thinking, the ones that has really placed the good hits on America was Harvey and Irma and Nate, my old buddy. We talked about him just last week or the week before. So we've already had Harvey, Irma, and Nate. And I got to thinking if Tammy comes along and hits us, that the acronym for the storms that hit America would be H-I-N-T. And I wondered, maybe God is giving us a hint. Maybe He is giving America a hint that we need to get on the right path. That we need to get back to being one nation under God. Beyond that, we've got firestorms raging in California. And I would ask that you pray for those folks there. People are dying. Businesses are being lost. Homes are being destroyed. That's another kind of storm of life that comes through. And with all of these storms, I thought, what does the Word of God say? And the Word of God talks a lot about storms and the storms of life. And some of those things with associated when Jesus talked about storms were hard sayings. I mean, they cut to the chase. He didn't antsy around. One of those hard sayings is in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 46. In talking about rain and life, Jesus said this, I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. That you may be. That is a purpose clause. There's a reason behind why you need to pray and to love enemies and those who use you. So that you can be children of God. Sons of your Father in heaven. He makes His Son to rise on the just or the good and the evil, and he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. If you love those who just love you, 
then what different are you from the people of the world? But you are supposed to love everyone. You are supposed to pray for those who despitefully use you. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. And if you have your Bibles with you, our text today is going to be Matthew 7, just a couple chapters over from this. But I read something like the rains come on the just and the unjust, and the sun rises on the good and the evil, and I think, why? Why, Lord, if I am a child of yours, if I am professing to be a Christian and I am trying to walk right and give up things in my life that are not good for me, and if I'm trying to straighten up and fly right, why do I get hit with the same things that everybody else does? What use is it for me to give up all that and to do that if I'm not any different? And I know you all think that because I've heard not only here but everywhere I go, something happens and you say, man, he was such a good person. Why did that happen? Somebody will see a story about something tragic that happens to a newborn or an infant and they'll say, you always get the question from those especially who don't believe How could a just God allow that to happen? And so the question that we all ask is, why do the storms of life hit me if I'm trying to follow you? Shouldn't I be exempt from that? Shouldn't I have, like in Monopoly, my get-out-of-jail-free card? I shouldn't have to face that, but God says I don't operate that way. I put the sun on the evil and the good. I put the rain or the storms of life on the just and the unjust. Now, we're told in the book of Job, chapter 14 and verse 1, and this is one of the scriptures that I memorized long ago. Man that is born of woman is of just a few days, but he's full of troubles. And another place in Job in chapter 5, it says, Man that is born is full of trouble, just as sure as sparks fly upward. And if you've ever had a bonfire, and you've sat out there and watched at night, the sparks don't flow down, they go up and they rise up. So just God is using a parable here. As sure as sparks fly upward, you're going to face trouble in your life. And so Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It was one of the greatest Oracle speeches that has ever been given. It is the greatest sermon ever. Our Lord taught it. We've seen one part of it. Chapter 5 where he says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But if you're there in chapter 7 and verse 15 with us now. It's also on the board for you. He gives a dire warning. He says that... Beware of false prophets. That's people who say they are speaking for me, but they really are not. You've got to watch out for those. He says, those are folks that say God said this, but they didn't rightly divide the word of truth. That's not what I said at all. So you need to learn the word of truth to watch out for them. He says, they will be pretending to come to you like sheep. They will have innocence and good intentions. And how do we know then? 
How do you know if you're dealing with a sheep or a ravenous wolf? And he says, you've got to know my word. He says, first off, when you know my word, you will be a fruit inspector. You will be able to know them because a good tree bears good fruit. And an evil tree bears bad fruit. And then he gives you and I a promise in verse 19. He says, every tree that does not bear the good fruit is cut down. It's thrown into the fire. You will know them by their fruits. Not every one that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father. So that begs a question, what's the will of the Father? It's in his book. It's what he's wrote to us about to follow. He said, many will say on that last day, that is the day when every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord and Christ. And he said, many, not just a few, but many, will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, wasn't I speaking on your behalf? Wasn't I working for you? Were my hands not busy doing things in your name? And Jesus says this in verse 23, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity or practice lawlessness, as it is in the New King James Version. Told you Jesus had some hard sayings about these stories, didn't he? About these storms of life. Some hard sayings. And so my number one clue here was, what does this lawlessness mean? I mean, if that is what is going to tell me I'm not entering in to where I am striving to go, What is lawlessness? Is it committing murder? Is it stealing? Is it one of those biggies that we all like to talk about because we don't practice them? No. Lawlessness, when I looked it up, says that it's an utter disregard for the written word of God. Ooh. Now that stung a little bit because that wasn't what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting an utter disregard for the Word of God being what he was talking about with lawlessness. But then you stop and think, what is the law? It's the Word of God. And lawlessness is not following or believing in the Word of God. That's stiff stuff. He says, I never knew you. And the go on to say was, that this lawlessness has a direct impact upon the soul of the individual for eternity. So I don't know about you, but I thought that it was practical that we need to learn a little bit about this then because I do not want any person that I come in contact with, any person that's a child of God here or will listen later or anywhere else to hear those words depart from me. So I wanted to go on. As Jesus went on with this discussion, as soon as he ended this, he said, therefore. Now there's a reason therefore is therefore. It is because 
You have false prophets. You have wolves. You have trees that you've got to know what the fruits are. So, as you go on, he says, Therefore, all of these things I just told you, if you don't want to be told to leave, therefore begins in verse 24 of chapter 7. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man that built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds came and beat upon that house and blew upon that house. But guess what? It did not fall because it was built and founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and does not do them will be like a foolish man whose house is built upon the sand. The, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but this house fell, and great was the fall of it. And so it was that when Jesus had ended this talk, the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them not as the scribes and Pharisees, but as one who had authority. Man, he didn't teach like anyone else. They were astonished. That word for astonished means literally thunderstruck. It means what they heard was something so profound, it was like being in the middle of a thunderstorm and the rumble shook you to the core to where you were disoriented and could not think straight. These words had that impact upon the people who heard it. And it would me too. But I want you to look at the difference between the two houses. One house is going to stand. One house is going to fall. But what was the difference between the two? If you look close, it was not the intensity of the storm. Both houses, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. There's no difference in the intensity of the storm. So what was the difference on a house that stood and a house that fell? It was the difference of what the target was. The target on one side was something that was built upon a rock. And the rock was he that hears and does what the Word of God says. The house that fell was likened to a foolish man who built his house upon sand, and the sand crumbled and the house fell. Now, talking about the target of the storms, when these hurricanes came through, the little islands that were there, what happened with all of the islands, with all of the dwellings that was there? Utter destruction, wasn't it? All of those little islands, all the houses were utterly destroyed. I mean, I've seen pictures where everything's just laid flat and it's a tangled mess. But, what happened when it went through Florida and Texas? Same storms. Eyes hit. 
Oh, this is Harvey in Texas, overhead view. Quite different from the little islands, isn't it? You know why? Same storms come through, but in this country, we have something called building codes. You've got this book that has the codes for how you build a house. I've built a couple of them. Tells you what to do, how to build it, the materials that you've got to use, how you prepare your foundations, because you see our government knows and realizes that storms come, just like our God knows and realizes that storms come in your life. How do you prepare for those? Well, the state has a building code. You must do this and that. Tell you the truth, I wasn't very fond of building codes. You get them, you start getting your house built, and you got an inspector. You know, they don't just trust you, they got an inspector that comes around. And I had built everything to what I thought it was at that point, and the inspector comes and said, well, all this framing work that you did, you didn't put the cross members between the studs. You didn't caulk the hose in the top where you drilled for the wires or the electricity to go through. And I'm like, well, you didn't tell me. It was in the code. It was in the book. Didn't you look at it? You got to do that. That prevents fires. Because if you have those studs running crossways between your vertical ones, shuts off airflow. If, if a fire starts down below, it doesn't have much air in that confined little space if it's all open. And you have a hole in the top drilled for the wires to go through. You have an airflow that allows the fire to really go. So we have building codes that tells you how to prevent these things so that we save life and property. Wow. Spiritually, we're governed by a building code. And just like you, I don't always agree with that either. I didn't agree and think they applied to me there. I don't always like what the Lord's building code says. But He says, i got to do it. So here it is. You get into this building code. And if I want to hear Him say on that last day, well done, and not depart from me, then I have to follow this building code in what we do. Whoever hears my word, he says here in Matthew 7, the difference between a wise and a foolish person is the one who follows and does what the building code says. One house stood firm, one house was destroyed, and great was its fall. But I got good news for everybody. God is patient. God waits on us. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord does not slack concerning His promises, as some people count slackness, but He is long-suffering toward us. Why? Because He is not willing that any should be perished, but that all should come to repentance. I've had talks with family members here who are concerned about their children, and about other folks. And you know what? We take those God as concerned too. And what's it say? He gives you warnings. He gives you warnings. But He says, it's because I am long-suffering. And I am patient. And I am waiting. Because I want you to return to Me. And I don't want you wandering off and perishing. 
I want all to come to repentance. So he's not slack. You know, we had a saying whenever I was growing up, hey, cut me some slack, man. You know, you guys remember that now? Most, okay, uh, moving on. Um, Jesus said here, these things are going to come in our life. These eyes of the storms. God has made a promise, though, that you can bear up under them even if a Cat 5 hurricane comes your way in the storm of life. You ever thought about these major storms that you start hearing in the news whenever they start projecting them and what their tracking path is going to be? Do you know what a storm starts out as? Tropical depressions. You ever heard that? It's a tropical depression, and if it gets speed up to a certain level that you will reach a hurricane. The reason they call it a tropical depression is because that's where these storms start. And what a great thing to call it, because depression is a place where storms of life hit quite often, doesn't it? And a lot of times these tropical depressions develop into even a greater storm. But they develop in the tropics, in the warm areas of life, And God, by His brilliant design, done something for the land of the tropics where these storms start out at. If you've ever been to Florida, if you've ever been to these islands, if you've ever been to places in the tropics, they got different kind of trees, don't they? They don't have the same trees in the soil that we have. They've got a sandy soil, so all of that drains off, and they got a tree called a palm tree different tree. It don't grow here, but it grows in the tropics. It grows where the storms are. And you know what? It says that even when a hurricane comes, God has designed these trees to withstand those storms. They can bend and sway. Some of them, I've seen pictures almost touching the ground. Hours at a time as a storm passes through. It looks to me like they're praying. It looks like to me they're bowed over in prayer. And you know what usually happens when the storm is over? They bounce back. They come up and they stand firm and trawl. Did you know that God designed the palm tree to be in the places where the storms are because it could withstand it? And not only withstand it, that is what makes it stronger. That goes against logic. It goes against seeing a tree battered by 200 mile an hour winds, bent over for hours, and thinking that is making the tree stronger. You would think it would be weakening it. But the divine design behind it was that as that tree sways and bends, the ground is loosened with all of that water and all of that bending, and the roots are loosening up as it does that. And as soon as the storm is over, you know what happens? It says the roots spread out and grow into those and make it even stronger. The way a palm tree is designed to grow and become strong is only through storms of life. Wow. So I started doing a little research on these palm trees. And I'm thinking there's no way they're going to bounce back right. But let me tell you about these palm trees. In that brilliant design that God did, He said for you and I to take a look at that. And in Psalm 92, that's a psalm that's all about good, evil, storms of life, good times. And in Psalm 92 and verse 12, 
God promises this to those who follow him. The righteous shall flourish as a palm tree. Guess what you are if you're a child of God? You're a palm tree. And God knows that you're going to face storms because he brings the rain on the just and the unjust. Their house will fall because they're not righteous. But the righteous, the one who does right, I make you a palm tree. That's the kind of tree I make you. And I make you so that when these things happen, and that storm is battering to you and has your face down on the ground in tears and prayer, it's making you stronger because you follow me and you trust in my word. And God says, I promise you, I designed you and I know you. And if you continue to put your trust in me and your faith in me, and you follow me, you're the palm tree. You're not, oh, everybody thinks a mighty oak. They get uprooted and landed down. Ask Dean, there's a big one over there in his pasture that we've worked on. Big old oak, not even a hurricane force wind. But them palm trees, oh, the righteous shall flourish. And that word goes right along with what a palm tree does. To flourish means to spread abroad and grow. And that's exactly what a palm tree does. And it's exactly what the righteous are designed to do. Through a storm, when it's over, you flourish and you grow by what you've been through. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of this. First one is Job. In Job, the entire book is about his problem. It wasn't an easy problem. Satan had went, and we're going to study more about this next week, by the way. That's a little plug to come and hear about this. Satan went to God himself and said, I want Job, I want him in my hand. I don't want any hedges of protection around him. And God said, okay, anything but his life. I'm keeping that hedge there. And so in one day, Job lost everything. Ten children, all of his, all of his wares, all of the houses. He lost his animals. Bad storm came. The next, he got hit with with skin diseases that was terrible. People argue whether they're boils, whether that was skin cancer, leprosy, whatever it was, he was covered head to toe with them. It hurt so bad he sat in an ash heap with chunks of broken pottery trying to scrape them off of his skin. And he was in pain. And his wife said, why don't you just give up and curse God? Give it all up. And he said, though God would slay me, I will not curse my God. You know what happened? After that huge category five storm of life happened to Job, look what happened. The promise of God came through, just what we've been talking about, like a pine tree. Chapter 42 of the book of Job closes like this. Now the Lord... Blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning days. He was blessed with 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. God also blessed Job with seven sons and with three daughters. And in all of the land, there was not any women who were as beautiful as the daughters of Job were. 
And Job lived to be another 142 years. And the Lord blessed him with full days. And he got to see their sons and his grandsons through four generations. And he died old and full of days. That's a promise of God. That's a palm tree who was planted, endured the storm, trusted in God, stayed upright and in His Word. And it Afterwards, he was blessed and became stronger through it all. Last one I want to go is with Peter. Peter is one of my favorite characters. In Luke 22, the Lord knows that Peter's going to betray him. He knows he's going to go through a rough patch in life, that it's going to get tough on Peter. He tells him, the Lord says, to him, Satan has demanded that I hand you over. And that wording there means that he is making a full demand on a basis of something that I completely hands off, no hedge of protection. Can you imagine being placed in the hands of Satan for him to, as the Lord tells him, sift you like wheat? Do you ever run a sifter? Seen what it does? It beats you and beats you and beats you till you fall on the ground and come out the other end. That's what Satan himself wants to do without any filter at all. But Jesus told Peter, I'm praying for you. And we've been talking about corporate prayer and intercessory prayer and praying for others. Here's another example. Jesus said, I'm praying for you, Peter, that when this storm is over, that when the devil finishes sifting you like wheat. I pray that when you return, I pray that your faith does not fail. You stay with me. And I pray that you become stronger like you're supposed to do so that you can feed my children later on. He says, I want to bless you like Job afterwards and make your latter days better than your first days because you came through the storm like a palm tree. So as the worship team comes on back up, Peter did survive that eye of the storm. Everything that the devil had, he threw at him, and I can't imagine what he went through during that time frame. It had to be terrible. He was shaken violently and dropped. But you know what? He was still standing. His house was still standing because it was founded on the rock. You remember what? Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I'm going to turn over to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not stand against it. The church is to be built upon the rock. Peter knew he was the rock. Jesus said, I am the rock. And if we keep our faith and we keep our focus upon the rock, let the rains come. Let the floods come. Let the winds blow and beat upon the house. But if you're founded and focused and followed the codes and you build upon the rock of Jesus Christ, your house will stand firm. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. Whew. Many of us are dealing with storms right now. I know it, I feel it, I've seen it, I've heard it. 
the winds come and they beat and they beat and they beat and they bend us over in prayer and we're always in prayer. Man, we've been in prayer. Father, I pray that when the storm's over, that you will bring it back to calm like you did upon the sea and that we, all of us here, will be like your grove of palm trees that have become stronger because we endured the storm and we trusted in you and we built our house upon the rock. And we pray that your spirit would touch each and every one of us, myself included, with this words today in Jesus' name. Amen.